You are listening to audio from the Rail City campus of CA Church. We are a church fervently committed to bringing the good news to the city of Port Moody. We hope this message helps you grow in your personal relationship with Jesus. All right. Hey, well, good morning once again. Welcome to CA Church Rail City campus. My name is Cam. I was so excited I come up here, I didn't introduce myself. Uh, and my name is Cam Daly. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, thank you, Pastor Sam, for praying for us and encouraging us. It just means a lot. Um, you know, here's our heartbeat. We are a church that is fervently committed, fervently committed to bringing the good news to the city of Port Moody. So if you live in Port Moody uh, or you live in Anmore, you live in Belcara, come on, you guys, uh, you're included, right? Uh, and... Uh, or, or if you're someone who, who lives outside of there, you live in Coquitlam or New Us or surrounding city, I want you to know you are absolutely welcome. We are here to be just like a, a positive force for Jesus Christ to bring his good news. Yes, we believe it is good news in 2022 uh, to this city, to this city. Uh, and so if you don't know Jesus, I, I pray and I hope that you hear good news today. Uh, if you do know Jesus, I pray you'd be encouraged and inspired today because I believe that Jesus has the best news around. Uh, and, uh, and it's just so good that all I have to do is just talk and share it and read the, the scriptures and you walk away encouraged. We're in a series right now in the book of Acts, uh, and it is called Witness. Uh, we're talking about what does it mean as we look at the witness of the early church. You know, sometimes it helps to look backwards in order to get some vision for how to go forwards, right? Uh, and so we're kind of looking at the, the, fam- the, the family movies, the family VHSs. We're looking through the old family photo album of the book of Acts to go, what was it like back then? What did it look like? What did it feel like? How did they act? How did they love one another? How did they start this thing called the church? Especially for us as a brand new church, yeah, we're one years old, uh, and it feels like we got our stuff together, but, uh, you know, at the same time, we, as we look back, it, it gives us some cues on how can we embody and be like they were back then. Last week, I, I introed the book of Acts. And it was like drinking from a fire hose, okay? So uh, I apologize in advance for that. Uh, this week, I'm, I'm going to summarize the book of Acts. If you want to go back and kind of do a deep dive, you can listen to that. Uh, we're on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, and it's on our website. You check it out. But, um, but yeah, this week, I just want to summarize the book of Acts uh, a little bit more about that. It was written by a physician, a doctor. His name was Luke. Uh, and he, he was commissioned, I believe, by a man, by a person named Theophilus. Theophilus was either someone inquiring about Jesus or he was someone part of the early church who wanted to re- record, uh, record the history of the church. And he hires a doctor. Makes sense, right? Someone who cares about the details, someone who cares about the facts. And so Acts, we believe, is not a mythological bedtime fairy tale story. No, we believe it is a historical book recording the actual events that took place in the early church back then in that day and in that time. In fact, it is uh, the second book of two books. The first book that Luke wrote a little arrogant. He named it after himself. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, it's called the Gospel of Luke. And, uh, and the second part, part is the Acts, ooh, almost fell, Acts of the Apostles. Acts of the Apostles. Uh, it has 28 chapters. 
Uh, In chapter 1, verse 8, it says that you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And we actually see the book unfold in that way. It unfolds in that way. It starts in Jerusalem. It expands to Judea, similar to their province, to Samaria. That's their neighbors that they don't like. Whoever you don't like, think about them. Uh, and, uh, and then to the ends of the earth, we see them go to Greece and Rome and modern-day Turkey. And they spread the gospel and share about who Jesus is and what he has done. Uh, the Acts of the Apostles, they called it this because primarily it follows the journey of a number of apostles. One named Peter, you might have heard of him before. Uh, he, he was a zealous fisherman type uh, who, who would do anything for Jesus, but then always, uh, always, you know, he always says something silly uh, or he always messes up. But he ends up in boldness becoming one of the leaders of the early church. We're going to see that in our text today. And then it follows the journey of some of the other apostles, but primarily Paul. Uh, The conversion of someone who was a Christian murderer, uh, he wanted to stamp out the church. He wanted to put an end to it. And yet he has an encounter with Jesus. He sees a bright light uh, and Jesus comes to him and it radically transforms his life. And we follow his journeys as he goes to take the gospel to the non-Jewish world. That is the Gentile world. And so it follows their stories. But I wrote down Acts of the Holy Spirit. Many people think that this book in some ways should be called the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Because there is a a change of authority. We see Jesus in the Gospels as the primary figure. But as we enter, and especially into today's text, we see the power and the person of the Holy Spirit moving through the church and doing incredible things. And so I want to today to introduce us to, some of us even who have been at church for a long time, introduce us to, for the first time, the Holy Spirit. Uh, a lot of churches, you know, it's like Father, Son, and Holy Bible, right? Around here, we believe in the Holy Spirit. We believe that he actually is, is a person of God. He is with us, and he shows up in this text today. And so we're going to jump into Acts chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 1, and we're going to go to 13, okay? And then we're going to jump into some later stuff for context. So if you're willing, if you're able, you please stand uh, as we read God's Word. If this is your first time here, we believe this is the most important things you're going to hear, way more important than anything I have to say. And so we stand in honor of God's Word. And so thank you for standing if you are willing. Uh, Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 1, we see the person of the Holy Spirit enter the scene. Let's read this together. It says this, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Who's they? It's the 120. It's the the closest followers of Jesus, those the remnant who's left behind uh, with Jesus. It says this, suddenly, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. It continues. Next slide. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, this is the crowd who's outside, they hear this sound. A crowd came together in bewilderment. Because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't these all who are speaking Galileans? 
Yeah, like these are uneducated people. They don't know how to speak all of our languages. What's going on here? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Continues. Parthenians, Metis, Elamites, I should really read this list before, uh, residents of Mesopotamia, <laughs> Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, uh, Perigamia, uh, Pamphylia, Egypt, parts of Libya, near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. What's happening? What's taking place? They were amazed and perplexed. They asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them saying, they've obviously had too much wine. <laughs> Lord Jesus, I pray today that you would speak to us. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. I pray that you would speak to us today as we fixate, as we fix our eyes on you. Spirit of God, this wouldn't just be words of some ancient story, but God, you would be speaking to us. You'd be filling us. You'd be encouraging us, I pray, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. amen. You may be seated. Wow, there's a lot going on in this story. Am I right? And you likely maybe feel similar feelings of those who witnessed it that day. Perhaps you're feeling bewilderment utter amazement, perplexed, or some of you might maybe be thinking like them, perhaps they were under the influence, right? Uh, there, there's something going on here. It's in the Bible. It's in the text, okay? So I can say that. Uh, what is happening? Events like these don't happen every day, do they? We've been here for a year. There's been no wind. There's been no fire. Sometimes the air conditioner blows a little extra heavy, you know, and we've all felt that. We've seen the curtains going, the whole thing. But there's been no fire. One time we almost set something on fire, with it, but it did, there was no fire, right? What is taking place here? God doesn't often manifest his presence in such a way. And so if you're experiencing uh, skepticism about this event, disbelief, surprise, wonder, it makes sense absolutely makes sense. The question I want to focus in on for our next moments together is the question that they asked in this text. What does this all mean? They asked one another, what does this all mean? You might be wondering, what does this all mean? I think this is an important question for us to ask as we read the scriptures. What does it mean? To dive deeper, to look deeper. You see, the old, early followers of Jesus in that day they are in hiding. Jesus has departed, ascended to the Father. They are praying. They are waiting for this event that he promised in 180. He said, the Spirit of God is going to come upon you. Just wait. And suddenly he shows up and they encounter who? They encounter God, the Holy Spirit. They encounter God, the Holy Spirit. Some of you are wondering, who is the Holy Spirit? Well, we believe that the Holy Spirit is God. How do we know this? How do we know this, that, that actually he is God in this text? Well, there's two clues in this text for us. The first is the wind I was talking about, and the second is the fire. Both of these things are, are symbolic, and when they show up, it means that God is here. Wind at times is actually, it's this word pneuma, and pneuma means breath or wind, and it's often used as a word for the Holy Spirit. 
that, that this wind, this pneuma has come. It, it, it's, it's pneuma, it's breath. And, and so as I, I started thinking about the Holy Spirit as wind or as breath, uh, I've got an Apple Watch. Anyone got an Apple Watch? Occasionally, it reminds me to breathe. Uh, if my heart rate gets a little bit uh, too high or something like that, I literally get this notification. You should take a moment to breathe. And I said, thank you, Steve Jobs. I press that button. And then this lotus flower appears on my watch, and then and, and there's this vibrations to breathe in and breathe out, and I'll do the whole thing, right? And, uh, but here, here's what I've done. I, I've taken it not just for a moment to breathe, but for a moment to remind myself, Holy Spirit, you're here. Holy Spirit, you are within me. Holy Spirit, you're with me. And sometimes I think God uses this Apple Watch to remind me of that. There's certain moments I'm in the middle of something, I'm frustrated, whatever it might be, my heart rate is going up, right? <laughs> and it tells me, Holy, breathe. The Spirit of God is with you. This is what the wind meant in that day. The wind, the Spirit of God is here. And then there's the second thing, there's fire. Now fire was often a symbol of purification, it symbolized that they have been purified, what? To become a temple of the Holy Spirit. But fire also at times represented, represented God's presence. In the Old Testament, we see God showing up as a pillar of fire, leading the Israelites, the early Hebrews through the desert. And so this fire shows up and they realize this means that God is here. And we believe the Holy Spirit is God. We believe that the, the author Luke is declaring that God is here as he records these symbols. That we believe that he is a personal being. Contrary to what you might expect, this isn't some mystical or spiritual or impersonal force. This isn't the universe, right? Oh, the universe is taking care of me. The universe you mean the, the, the endless black void, right? No, this isn't some impersonal, abstract thing that, like, I don't know, most millennials are putting their hope in lately, right? No, 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 no. This is a personal being. This isn't the force. For all you Star Wars fans out there, right? Mandalorian is going to be released real soon. Come on, it's exciting. Uh, it's good, right? It's not the force, this isn't some power we can manipulate and control. This isn't magic that we, can, that we can summon. This is not what the Holy Spirit is. We as Christians believe that God is three and yet one. This whole, you know, I, some theologian at one point said, if you try to figure that out, your brain's going to explode. So don't. But it's really clear as we look at the scriptures that God is Father, He is Son, and He is Holy Spirit. That he is a person and he speaks. The Holy Spirit speaks. We see this throughout the book of Acts. He guides his people. He has feelings. We see that he mourns. We see that he rejoices. He responds and reacts to events. He heals. He gives gifts to his people. He can be known personally as a friend. He dwells within followers of Jesus. He's with us wherever we go. And this is who the early followers of Jesus encountered that day. God, the Holy Spirit. But what else is happening? What else does this mean, this story? That, well, there, there's some really incredible things that we see. There's two things I want to share with us. One, this is the fulfillment of something foretold. And this is the beginning of something new. 
This is the fulfillment of something that was foretold, something very old, some ancient words. And this is the beginning of something brand new that God was doing in that day and that time and ever since. Ever since. Let me talk about this idea of the fulfillment of something foretold. Look, um, this is just a few verses later, all right? So, Spirit of God comes, it falls on the believers, they're freaking out, everyone gathers around the crowd, they think that they might be drunk, Peter kicks down the doors of the mansion, he comes on out, and he delivers a sermon. Peter goes from fearful, right, to full of faith, because of what? He is, he is experienced, he has seen the fulfillment of Jesus' promise that the Holy Spirit will come, but he's also seen the fulfillment of something that is was foretold, something that was very old. Look what he says in verse 14. Then Peter stood up with the eleven. He raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews, all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I have to say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine o'clock in the morning, right? He's like, clearly he doesn't live in Port Moody with all the breweries. Have you been down there at nine? But anyways, but... (laughs) He says, guys, it's 9 o'clock in the morning. These guys are not drunk. I just find that funny, though. That's included in the Bible, right? But anyways, it says this. No, no, they're not drunk. This is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will have dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire, billows and smokes. I don't know what that is. The sun will be turned to darkness, the moon blood, before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. Okay, so that's later probably. But, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Will be saved. He says, this is the fulfillment of something that was foretold. Joel, five centuries before this moment, 500 years before this moment, he prophesies that the Spirit, God will send his Spirit. What happens? It happens. God God is God who keeps his promises. And he does. He shows up in a profound way. He keeps his promise to the people of God. And he sends his Spirit upon them and fills them just like he said he would. But this is also the beginning of something new. It's the beginning of something new. What do we see? That God is doing a brand new thing. John Stott, a theologian and author, he puts it this way. He says, The major event in the early chapters of Acts took place on the day of Pentecost when the now exalted Lord Jesus performed his last work of his saving career and poured out the Holy Spirit on his waiting people. His death Uh, Sorry, his life, his death, his resurrection and ascension all culminated in this great gift which the prophets had foretold, what Joel had just said, and which would be recognized as the chief evidence that God's kingdom had been inaugurated. For this conclusion of Christ's work on earth was also a fresh beginning. It was a fresh beginning. It was the beginning of something new. Stott is saying this is the final act of Jesus' ministry on earth. It was the beginning of a new movement of God where the spirit which empowered Jesus' ministry is now living and empowering them, the church, to be representatives of God on earth. 
to be his hands, his feet, his mouth, and to represent him to all people, to all nations, to do the things that Jesus did. The Spirit came, and this was Jesus' last work. I used this illustration last week, but it's similar to the events we've seen unfolding in these days that have just gone by. Am I right? We have seen the crown pass from Queen Elizabeth and with her parting breath as she departed and went to the Father in heaven. And I, I believe that she is with him now in glory. As her, with her parting breath, the crown passes to King Charles. And we can see this picture here of King Charles. He's standing vigil over his mother's coffin. Tomorrow's her funeral. And I see this crown, this looming crown, which has not yet been placed on his head. But there's a passing of the crown. There's a passing of authority. There's a passing of responsibility. There is a passing from the, the Holy Spirit moves from Jesus to the church. The authority moves from the person of Jesus to the person of the Holy Spirit at work. And this is what is taking place. It's the beginning of something new. The responsibility, the power and authority that had been given to Jesus is now being given to Jesus' people. God was doing something new. Formerly to be in relationship with God, you had to obey the law. Now, because Jesus has forgiven us, we get to live in light of the Spirit. Formerly, previously, Jesus limited himself to a finite person on planet earth. Now, through the Spirit, the Spirit can go with each of us into every place and space that we find ourselves, no matter how dark. Formerly, only certain people were uh, chosen to fulfill God's purposes. The Spirit of God would fall on individuals in the Old Testament and empower them for a special work. Now the Spirit of God lives and dwells within everyone. Every person who confesses with their mouth that Jesus is Lord, believes in their heart that he rose from the dead, the Spirit of God comes and dwells within them. Formerly God lived in a temple. He, he Actually at one point he lived in a box. Then he moved into a temple. He got an upgrade, right? Some of us in Port Moody were dreaming of that. 900 square feet. I don't know, 1,500. I'll take 15, Lord, right? Like, you know, (laughs) God had an upgrade, right? He moved into this beautiful temple in Jerusalem. But then, through this moment, the veil was torn. Jessica mentioned this last night. If you come to church before, normally we got a veil right here. The veil was torn, right? It was gone. The the presence of God moved from a physical place on planet earth into a people. He changed his postal code. He changed his address. Guess guess where he changed it to? You. (laughs) Wherever you find yourself. God was doing something new. God was doing something new. So here's the question. What are the implications for us today? What does this mean for us Oh, there's so much what it means. We talked about what it meant to them and all this kind of stuff. But what does it mean to us? I want to just take one idea for us that I believe is so key and crucial and important. Is this, and I've already touched on it. You might have heard it, but I really want to emphasize it. The Spirit of God lives in you. The Spirit of God lives in you. As I said, God has changed his address to you, the people of God. You carry within you the presence and the person of the Holy Spirit. Now, some of you don't believe me. You're not sure about this. Well, I I heard a story that helped me realize just like how spectacular this reality is. Uh, You know, back, when was the last Olympics? What year? Anybody? Like last year or something like that? 
I heard this story. I'm driving in my car, and Jessica likes to listen to CBC. I never willingly choose to put on CBC, but, uh, but it was on in the car. I'm listening, and they're telling some story. They're telling a story. They're interviewing a, a person who is the keeper of the flame, right, the Olympic flame. And he's explaining the entire journey of the Olympic flame from Greece all the way to where the Olympics are taking place. And this happens every year. We've got a photo of it if you want. Uh, you know, and so there's this big ceremony and they light the flame and they carry it across the world. But when they get this flame, they put it into a lantern. They put it within a car. That car has security detail. Police officers in front and behind it. Military support. They lead it into a plane. The plane is accompanied, apparently, by the Greek military. I, I didn't hear this. This is crazy. In fighter jets. They protect this plane. They said, why, why do you give such protection to fire? And the guy said, to us, this flame is as if the monarch. It's as if the king or the queen of Greece is with us. It is that sacred. It is that important. I'm sitting there in my car, I'm driving, I'm listening. And I think to myself, that's fire. That is fire. Someone can blow it out. Let's be honest. It probably goes out between Greece and wherever it's going, right? And some guy with a pack of matches is relighting it, right? Like, that's fire. But friends, you and I... We do not carry with, it, with us some flame, some fire. We carry within us the, an actual monarch, the actual king of kings, the Lord of lords, the very person, the very presence of God, the Holy Spirit. You have royalty within you. This is, this is not finite people. We actually, we have the very person of the Holy Spirit living within us. Man, if we could just understand that, if we could remember that, if each of us could get an Apple Watch, right, <laughs> to be reminded occasionally that the power and the person, the Holy Spirit, lives in you. If you have followed and believe in Jesus, you carry within you a sacred flame. And look at this. Some of you don't believe me. Okay, like some people have the Holy Spirit. But I've done some things. I've seen some things. Should have seen last night, right? No. I, all of them, all of them received the Holy Spirit. Look at this. Acts, Acts chapter 2 verse 3. What does it say? It says this. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, I get that they, they were pretty, you know, devout, all right? They're in a room praying for 10 days. I can barely do 10 minutes, right? No, but get this though. All of them received the Holy Spirit. And then based off Joel's prophecy, what does it say? Go to the next slide. Acts chapter 2. It says, I will pull out my spirit on all people, your sons and your daughters, the young and the old, servants. It will ser it's not just to certain classes or races or, 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 or economic statuses. No, all people, servants, men and women. I will pour out my spirit on everybody. Everybody who places their faith in me. And some of you say, well, get, well I don't know if I'm a follower of Jesus. The reality is this, is that today, 
through just like simply placing your faith in him, the person and presence of the Holy Spirit can live and dwell within you also. Friends, at Rail City, because we believe that God's presence is so spectacular and important, one of our values, our vision values is this, is that is presence, that we want to make space for the presence of God. And the reason why this is important to us is because it was important to them. And so therefore, because God sends his presence and his, the person of the Holy Spirit in all people at Rail City, you will see men speak, you will see women speak, you will see the young, and you will see the old. Some of us well off, some of us broke college students, right? But, but, but on this stage... On this stage and in this place, the people who serve are of every representation. Why? Because the Spirit of God dwells in each of them, no matter who they are, no matter what they've done. And this is true for you as well, my friends. Look at Peter's sermon in verse, chapter 2, verse 32. He explains how this is possible for you. So if you're someone who doesn't think you have the Holy Spirit, you, you need to lean in. Look what he, look, listen to what he says. Verse 32, God has raised Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of this. He exalted him to the right hand of God. He has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit, and he has poured out what you see and hear. Then he says this in verse 37, when the people heard this, they were cut to their hearts. And they said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Some of you are wondering, what shall I do? To receive this Holy Spirit. Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And if you do this, it says this, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. How do you receive the Holy Spirit? Through simple repentance, through baptism, through accepting Jesus, believing that he was who he said he was, he did what he said he did, and that that is for you. I, can't, I know, it, it's crazy that it's that simple. But upon profession of faith, get this, you're forgiven. Of all of your sins, past, present, and future, this is why this is good news. I want you to know no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, you are forgiven. You are forgiven. And, and you are forgiven of your sins, of all your error. Of all your wrong, Jesus takes your shame. He takes your guilt. He nails it to a cross. He dies in your place so that you don't have to die. He takes your punishment so you don't have to be punished. This is the good news of the gospel. But the gospel does not end there. We're going to remember that through communion in a few moments. What Jesus has done for us, the gospel doesn't end. God doesn't just forgive us and then say, have a nice life. But instead... He gives us the person and the power of the Holy Spirit. Why? So that we can now step into our purpose. So that we can now step into the great mission that he's given us. So that now we can be witnesses. Witnesses of all that Jesus has done to the ends of the earth in Port Moody. In every neighborhood. In Klahani, in Glen Eyre, in Moody Center, in Heritage Mountain, on Ioko, on Pleasant Side, in Belcara, in Anmore. Wherever you find yourself in this city, wherever you find yourself outside of this place, he gives us the Holy Spirit. You want to say, how do I receive the Holy Spirit? It is through believing in Jesus Christ. And get this, he goes with you wherever you go. Well, surely he will leave me. 
he'll depart me when I do something wrong. No, the promise is he will be with you to the very end of the age. Why? Because Jesus has paid your debt. (laughs) It's not about you. You've been purified with fire. You've been cleansed and made into a home for the person of the Holy Spirit. And he will go with you. And so friends, this is what we believe. And we believe it is good news. And so here's what we're going to do now. I'm going to pray. And then you're going to come forward. If you are someone who believes this or you're someone who wants to believe this, you can come to the table. You can receive communion. And in that moment, that confession of Jesus, you are Lord. I believe you are forgiven. And I believe you will receive the person of the Holy Spirit. So let's pray together. And then we're going to respond by singing and taking communion. Jesus, thank you for today. God, thank you for this reality. Right now, I'm not talking to the walls. I'm talking to a person. The risen Jesus Christ, my Father who is in heaven. But Spirit of God, you are also here. And so Spirit, I pray where my words lack, that you would begin to convince. That you'd begin to change hearts. You would unlock the locks of our hearts so that we could see. We'd have eyes to see and ears to hear that you are here, that you are real that you are moving and you are working in this place. Help us to believe that. And as we come to the table, help us to receive that, that we are forgiven and that we are filled with your spirit because of the cross. Thank you, Jesus. I pray these things in your name. And everyone said, amen, amen. Thanks for listening to this message. If you've been listening to our sermons, but you're not a part of a church community, we would love to have you join us. You can go to cachurch.ca slash rail city to find out more information about getting involved in the life and mission of the Rail City campus of CA Church.